We know it can be super frustrating when the banks say no or you get turned down for something. And for that reason, specifically at this time right now, now more than ever, it's so important for people to know their options. Now, it's not always about the bank just saying no. Uh, sometimes it comes down to other lenders or just knowing different types of scenarios and qualification options. It can be super embarrassing for someone to walk into a branch obviously put their entire situation out to them and then literally just get no, there's no option. So for that reason, the boys and I thought it would be really important to do this episode here today to talk specifically about certain circumstances where maybe you've been turned down, but it would make sense to explore different options and what those different options might look like. Obviously, there's no way this can be an exclusive episode covering everything, but we did cover a heck of a lot of ground and you're going to want to listen to this no matter which situation you're in because at one point in your life, you're probably going to be in a situation where you're going to want to understand what you can do from a lending perspective. As always, this episode here today is brought to you by Thrive Mortgage Co., your team, your partners in crime. We're trying to look at how to help you create wealth in real estate. And that's really important to us. Now, if you're liking the episode and you're loving what we do here, make sure to reach out to us at thrivemortgage.ca or Instagram at Thrive Mortgage Co. Enjoy the episode, give us that five-star review, and we'll see you on the other side. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Okay, so the bank has said no. Um, you're hearing that a lot these days, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And, but at the end of the day, it is becoming more and more consistent and more and more of a quote-unquote issue for a lot of folks that we're talking to daily right now. Now, let's be honest here. Traditionally speaking, you know, 30, 40 years ago, a mortgage broker was considered a second uh, a, a choice option. You were going there primarily because you needed a second opinion or you couldn't get a mortgage from the bank. Now, that's changed dramatically. Where we're at today is that mortgage professionals like ourselves are actually on the forefront of advising, providing better advice, providing better options, and just quite simply a better process for clients. But we're going through banks and lenders and so forth. Uh, however, you know, with what's going on in the world right now, and and perhaps if you're listening to this later, whatever's happening at that given time, more now than ever, we're hearing people say no. In fact, I was in a presentation yesterday or doing a presentation, and someone brought up that exact fact that said that the bank said no, and they literally put their goals on hold for a year. So the purpose of today, realistically, is to dig into what do you do when the bank says no? What like what are your options there? Um, what does that mean for you when it comes to lender policies? What should you explore? And maybe what shouldn't you explore? And what should be your takeaways be? We're going to try to cover a lot of ground here in, in a, a drive time episode. And perhaps we'll do a second episode on some of these options to go way deeper in, into detail. But, you know, Derek, why don't you take the lead on this one? Because you've been seeing this more than any of us lately. Yeah, I mean, we've said this in past episodes, but I think the biggest takeaway is when the bank says no, don't get discouraged. Right. You have to keep in mind that every single bank has their own set of policies, their own set of guidelines. The person you were talking to at the bank might not even know those guidelines in detail enough to properly advise you. So don't get discouraged. You should 100% get a second opinion. Don't stop whatever it is, whatever the goal is that you're trying to reach. You should 100% talk to a broker. There are different types of lending out there. There's conventional lending, that's your banks and credit unions. Even through credit unions, there's some credit repair programs that they have if that's the issue that you're running into. There's alternative lending, there's private lending. Um, and in markets like this, you know, we're seeing people run into 
there's always issues, but in markets like this, we're seeing qualification issues quite a bit. And it's because rates are getting higher, which means the stress test is higher, which means people are qualifying for less. There are ways to kind of mitigate that with different types of lenders and programs. We're also seeing people getting declined because they've racked up debt. They have racked up debt. Their credit cards are maxed out. Their credit scores are low. And their bank is saying, no, there are options for that. There's ways to mitigate that and work through that. At the end of the day, just my first piece on this episode is do not get discouraged. Get a second opinion. At the very least, we can help you build a plan. And if we can't achieve financing currently, we can probably build a plan to make it happen in the next three to six months. Absolutely. So um, again, I think there's a few different parts of criteria that we want to cover here today. Um, with that being said, we're again touching on why are the banks really saying no mo now more than they were maybe a year ago or two years ago? Why is that even happening? And again, what are some different actual specific ways to deal with that or specific ways that we we deal with that right away? I mean, I'll touch on that right now. Um, right now, uh, where we're at, we're in an uncertain climate from a lending perspective. The cost of everything is going up, right? With interest rates increasing, with property values declining, which is probably one of the primary considerations, uh, lenders are a little bit more nervous than ever before to lend high values and in perhaps maybe not unique situations, but anything that's outside the box. We always talk about lending and money as, uh, as if there's... Um, some kind of magic criteria, but it's really simple. With most of these conventional banks and conventional lenders, they literally have a series of boxes to check. And if you don't check off on those boxes, then you need to make an exception. And right now, they're not really interested in making those exceptions. So you're getting a lot of no's. Simple as that. Just like the general public, you know, banks have their concerns when when rates do this and, and they have concerns with markets. And of course, they're going to scale back. And you know, credit unions right now are, are not financing rental properties for the most part, right? So like you are going to see certain markets scale back. And again, just pointing back to the power of a broker uh, and understanding your options is important. There's a few reasons why lenders will scale back in, in markets like this when there's potential fear that there could be a value correction or or at least a pause in, in appreciation. That That's obviously one reason, but also we have to keep in mind we're coming off one of the hottest years of real estate in history, especially where we live uh, with 2021. And, and the first part of 2022 were extremely hot. And a lot of lenders, especially credit unions, have, have lent out their allotment of funds for things like revenue properties, rental properties, those sorts of products have actually, they've lent as much as they can lend for the, for the amount of money they have. It may sound strange, but lenders do have a certain amount of money allotted for certain type of products and they can, they can reach those, those capacities quite quickly. And, and especially in markets that we just came off of where it's been so hot. So some of these, some of these changes or or pauses on certain programs may be because of just the fact that they they blew out uh, the coffers. No doubt about all that stuff there. So let, again, let's talk a little bit about what the actual experiences uh, are for someone when this occurs. I mean, first and foremost, it's uh, pretty, uh, I'd say, dramatic from an emotional perspective for a lot of folks when they go into a branch, they give their 30 or 40 different documentation. They wait probably three, four, five, six weeks because that's the standard wait time for a lot of banks these days. And then they get a, a flat no. Um, and again, speaking from a conversation that I had with that, uh, that individual yesterday, which is not unusual, these are conversations that we have almost on a daily basis, it's, uh, it's, it's like I said, an emotionally charged uh, feeling when the bank literally just says, no, you can't, I'm sorry. And the reality is there's probably no stories. And then there's also no follow-up as to here's what you can do going forward. So what are the reasons that we see 
I mean, might as well have a little bit of a chat about like what are the common reasons that we're seeing the banks say no right now, and then some actual actions as to what we could do here and what we do as a mortgage professional that's different. I mean, we could start off by just talking about what some of the common reasons specifically or circumstances that you folks are, you guys are, are seeing right now. I think a product kind of ties into all of this that when it comes to reasons for, you know, qualification issues. There's also a lot of people that are just realizing that, you know, maybe it's the client saying no to the bank because the product's not right for them. People are coming off some of the lowest interest rates in history. They're looking to refinance, consolidate debt, banks providing them an option that's actually now taking them out of a very good rate and going into a much higher rate. And a client saying like, whoa, 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 like I don't necessarily want to consolidate that debt that much. I don't want to lose my, my fantastic rate that's below 2% or below 3% um, to do this. And, and so like this ties back into the, a product, a second mortgage product. A lot of people have maybe forgotten about that term. What is a second mortgage? Why would anyone get a second mortgage? These are the times that it makes a lot of sense to get a second mortgage to preserve the rate that you already have on your current mortgage and just using a second mortgage to consolidate the debts and also it's really it's really important to understand the stress test and the fact that we are qualifying at much higher rates than we have before so again why are people getting declined because of qualifying issues because the rates are arguably two two and a half percent higher from a qualifying perspective than they were in the past and and looking at keeping the current mortgage in place for that reason alone is also a really good idea because we keep the payment much lower. We're qualifying at the payment that's on the first mortgage and then we're we're looking for the second mortgage amount that we need based on the payment on the first position mortgage opposed to qualifying for a whole new mortgage at a much higher qualifying rate. That may be very confusing for, for people as I, as I spit that out, but um, that's something we would go really deep on in, in a planning session when we're, when we're meeting with our clients and showing them the options that you can actually qualify for more with a second mortgage, just because you're preserving the first mortgage and keeping it intact. What I see, that's a great example. And we're seeing a lot of that right now. And I typically see this go one of two ways. A, if you have a really good cost-effective mortgage on your property, that's a good size. And we want to keep it. We run numbers to see if you qualify for a HELOC like with the same bank or a second mortgage with the same bank. But if that isn't happening because of maybe credit issues or qualification in general, and you are not qualifying for conventional lending, then back to what Dean mentioned, we're actually helping people take on second mortgages through private lending. And as much as private lending sounds scary, prime example that I just ran for some clients, they had a $600,000 mortgage at 2% fixed rate. They did not want to give that up because we refinanced, they would be taking on a whole new mortgage at either three and a half variable, which is going to be going up or a 5% fixed rate, right? So a massive jump right there, plus a massive jump in qualifications. So what we did is we actually structured an $80,000 second mortgage, came out to about 8% interest. But when you look at the blended rate, because they have 600,000 at 2% and only 80,000 at 8%, they still ended up in the high twos. And they were able to consolidate all their debt, fix their credit. And when they're up for renewal in three years, we'll be looking to restructure and get them a bigger mortgage to consolidate all of that. So that was a really good strategy. And that was a prime example where they did not qualify for conventional lending, no matter what bank they went to. Yeah, these are really good points. And certainly something that we've seen on a regular basis recently, as you mentioned there, look at the whole uh, consideration before looking at one factor, which actually kind of leads me and I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole right now. But it kind of leads me to thought process of like, know your numbers as opposed to just look at the one specific number it's kind of like if you're going to go buy a 
uh, a car, for example, and it says an MSRP of like, you know, 60 grand or whatnot. But the reality is once you get to the financing department, they add all these different types of fees and so forth, and it ends up costing you way more. Uh, what Derek and Dean are presenting here and, and suggesting is something we talk to our clients about all the time, which is the reality of don't just look at the rate, look at your total cost, which includes penalties, fees, other considerations. And that's one thing right there that you guys brought up, which is like, they got this 1.5% or 2% fixed rate mortgage. And if they break this thing, are they going to be paying $30,000 in, in penalties as well? Penalties are confusing a lot of people right now because penalties are actually really low. People that are coming out of a 1.5% interest rate are, are finding themselves quite puzzled that their interest or that their penalty is so low and it's, it's making them excited about moving forward when to your point not looking at all the numbers that the fact is that you are going into a much higher rate so yeah your penalty might be three thousand dollars because the interest rate differential which is how they calculate a fixed rate penalty is very very low because they're comparing it to a much higher rate in the market the banks want to get rid of these low rates they want you to break your mortgage and do these types of consolidations so they can get you back into a higher rate and that's that's getting people excited and not really looking at the numbers so um, yeah. It's really important to to do a deep dive into the total cost to your point and, and not get too excited when you see a low penalty when you're used to a, a $30,000 penalty. Yeah, that's a great point. And so, okay, so so we talked a little bit about people who are in a situation where they're looking to restructure, consolidate debt. And to be clear, sometimes a refinance still does make sense for people. It's just that we have to look at that as an option in case the bank doesn't say that there is a solution. And as you mentioned, Dean, earlier, I know it might have went over some people's heads, but the stress test is one of the challenges with qualification because again stress test is two percent above the rate you've got you've given rates now are you know five to six percent so you're qualifying at like seven to eight percent right now which is dramatically different than it was six months ago right so but, but i mean i think we talked about when the bank says no right and other circumstances where we hear the banks say no isn't necessarily to like can you not qualify but it's just it's more to do with that particular lender. Um, Derek, you brought up a point here earlier, and I'm just going to repeat this and I'll let you expand on that, which is essentially that every single lender has their own policies and guidelines. And working with one particular lender will substantially limit you when it comes to your qualification options, your costs, and your long-term strategy. And the reason for that is because they may not allow that additional income source. They may not allow that credit. They may not allow the exception to go over your debt ratios, which could reduce your qualification by 10, 50, 100, $200,000. And of course, we add in, because we work with a lot of investors, add in the rental criteria as part of that consideration. All of these things add up to, well, one bank said no. There are so many other options. So maybe Derek, you can expand on that. So our goal every time we run a pre-approval or pre-qualification for a client, our goal is how can we maximize qualification? Like that's our first step. How can we get these people to the highest possible loan amount so that they can purchase the home that they want? Once we figure that out, and that's by working through different lenders' policies, right? Like we'll run through Coast Capital and Scotiabank and TD and Envision, and, and we run through all these different programs and policies until we've come up with what we think is the best possible solution, all while trying to manage interest rates and, and making sure that they're in line for the client. But like a prime example, you know, we run numbers for someone buying a detached home with a basement suite, and you compare Bank X to Bank 
bank O and you're going to see a difference in qualification of quite literally 150 to $200,000, depending on that person's situation. So yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, but you really, really need to look at that. And I think it just comes back to the importance of working with a broker. If you go to your bank, if you have a strong application, you're probably going to get a mortgage, but you are completely putting your blinders on and you have no idea if there is something better out there. Right. Which leads us to the point around um, other situations and other options for you. So there's a lot of situations where people don't fit into conventional boxes. And I'd say like, I don't know what you guys think, but like, you know, before 2018, before the stress test came in and then before 2016, when the B20 uh, or 21 rules came in again, and were updated, the uh, overall um, uh, lending world was a lot more simple. It was A lending, B lending and C lending. I mean, that's kind of where it was. But since that time, now we kind of see A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And what I mean by that is there are conventional banks that you know about, but then there are like tertiary banks or sub banks that have a variety of other programs. And then almost like sub programs under that before we move into alternative lending. And in alternative lending, there's a large gap because some alternative lenders offer very similar rates and in, in terms as, as a regular bank. The only difference is that they offer substantially more competitive programs for people who are self-employed, for people who own multiple rental properties, for folks who have different sources of income. And so I think the big thing to note there is that what will happen is your bank, in, in some situations, if you go in there and they decline, one of the options that a bank has is they can essentially refer you out or flip you out into uh in Never Neverland, so to speak, and, and and they don't all do this, but uh, some do, and they'll get paid a commission or a fee to send you off to a third-party service provider who will uh, provide you with a B lending option. The biggest problem there is that you're not actually dealing with the, the broker in this case. They're just sending you wherever they feel is best at that point right now, which in my experience after reviewing second opinions on these is rarely the best option for the client because at the end of the day, they're just going to try and get you a loan. They're not trying to get you the best loan. And that's an interesting uh, play by the banks, and it's pretty smart from a from a financial perspective because if they can't get you a mortgage, they're going to refer you out to this uh, this other uh, third party company. But again, they don't really have your best interest in mind. And I, I think at the end of the day, it's pretty important, pretty key to know how are they shopping for you, what are they looking for you, and and actually after talking to some clients who've gone through that experience, they're just like, what what even happened? I don't even know what happened. They just came back like took a month, they didn't have any communication, and I got this this rate and this term, and I don't know why. And I think that's a big part of it, right? The way that process works is the bank is just referring you to a third party that, to your point, is only looking at alternative lenders, essentially lenders that wouldn't be considered a comp competition for that particular bank, where the, there are products that may fit at one brand versus the other. And they're both, you know, they're considered competitors. And, and of course, if there's a better option at, say, TD Bank versus Scotia or vice versa, those two lenders aren't going to recommend those options because it's sending you out of their branch to another competitor where they will just default. Oh, we can't do it here. Let's just default to our alternative source. And the alternative source is, 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 is not, it's not that it's a bad option. It's just, it's probably not the best option for, for that individual. Definitely agree with that point. So um, other, I guess the scenarios where we see the most no's uh, self-employed, obviously for me is my number one situation where I see either no's or not even close to what the client's looking for. Um, pricing, as we mentioned, uh, Derek and, and Dean, you both touched on this is just generally speaking, like 
we don't really talk too much about like rates and, and terms and so forth, but like, you got to put it this way. Like the bank knows that they're, you're not likely to go anywhere. So they're not going to really try to be competitive until you are. I mean, they can offer the same rates and terms that we can get right off the bat. The only difference is that your lender, your bank directly, they don't really have any reason to do so. They don't have any relationship with you. Like you think you have with them. They're looking at it and saying, well, how much can we charge this person? We're going to make more money. If, we're, if they're at the end of the month and you need to make the deal, they might offer a little bit of a better rate to come sharper on the rate. But again, it's simply rate. There's nothing more to it than that. Other situations that we see a lot of people getting no's are for credit. That's a big one, uh, specifically these days. And the credit one's a funny one because lenders, uh, you know, we should do an episode on this in the future, but lenders are being tighter on credit now than they've been in years. They're definitely looking at that, at that as a primary consideration of your qualification capability. But you get to a point where lenders, banks just say no flat out. What are your options? They're going to just say no. Whereas we're going to say, hey, let's put you on a credit action plan and we'll probably set you up with another lender for one year, perhaps, and get you into a better situation as well. So um, I don't know. You've seen a lot of other no's. So we talked about the second loan or or we talked about the private. We talked, of course, the self-employed uh, and and Bruce credit. What else are you guys seeing no's for? I think just the exceptions. <clears throat> so when I say exception, it means that you know, maybe you're not quite qualifying, you're a little bit over, or we need an exception on credit because you missed a couple of payments, um, <clears throat> or, you know, your income's a little bit sporadic. In a strong market, we were getting a ton of exceptions through certain institutions. Certain, certain lenders can give no exceptions at all, but we know the ones that do. And they've always been awesome for us to push those files through because they know they just put a little bit of common sense into it. And we are starting to see that go away. The exceptions are not as common. I had very, very strong clients and we could not get an exception. And the lender actually told us that they're expecting people to start taking on more consumer debt. And they worried about that. <clears throat> so they did not want to make an income qualification exception. And that's, of course, because of the world that we're living in. You know, the inflation rates were uh, outlined yesterday for May at 7.7%. Everyone's feeling this, right? The gas is double the price. The groceries are double the price. Rates are going up. Some people's payments are going up. Um, so you do have to kind of expect that people are going to take on more consumer debt. People need to tighten up. And the banks are at the front end of this, right? Like they're watching all of this. They see the credit cards. They see the lines of credit. They see the business loans. They see the car loans. So they're going to continue to change policies based on what they're seeing internally. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I definitely see property concerns right now, you know, especially around appraisals. We we were getting a lot of appraisals waived. It was becoming quite common that we wouldn't even require an appraisal on a purchase. Um, I'm finding a lot of a lot of deals are requiring an appraisal now, and then an appraisal could be coming in under value, meaning um, the appraiser saying it's worth less than you your accepted offer. And so maybe you know maybe the deal is not getting the decline or the no, but it's definitely getting adjusted. And we're going back to the negotiation uh, table to, to, you know, fix that issue from a, from a perspective of value. Right. And uh, I'm definitely seeing a lot of that, a lot of appraisals. And, and that to me is just not necessarily a bad thing, but it's definitely something to be aware of because it, it just increases the amount of time that you're going to require for a purchase when you're, when you're buying a home and, and needing subject to financing, which we always recommend when there's financing involved, especially now with these appraisals being, becoming more and more common uh you need time to to complete those yeah really good points so i mean i think that's just like a snippet of some of the things that we're seeing on a regular basis but i think the short version in all of this is that um if you're gonna go and uh, try to qualify for a loan on your own and you get a no that means you're gonna have to go pick up your deal walk over to another bank or another branch tell them the whole story go through the whole process again which is going to be a huge time suck and waste of time um 
we do that for you as mortgage professionals. We're not here to toot your own, our own horn on the, the podcast, but we are here to edu- educate folks. Like that's a big part of what we do is hey, if one lender says no, then we're going to pick up the bag and we're going to walk over to another lender to provide the best, you know, next option for our clients in that circumstance. And um, I don't, I think that's a, that's just something a lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't know that. And I found that out actually yesterday in presenting to, you know, 20 plus real estate agents that a lot of them didn't really know how that worked either. So yeah. On that point, and, and, and it, it parlays into the appraisal piece with appraisals being coming more and more common, if, if a lender that we're working with doesn't approve the file, we already have an appraisal completed, we can actually transfer that appraisal over to another lender, where to your point, if you walk into the other branch, that other branch is going to then have to order another appraisal. They're not going to be able to get the copy of the report to be moved over to them. Um, so again, just another benefit of working with a broker. We actually order that appraisal through a third party and we can transfer it over. So from a perspective of just time management and, and saving money, um, that that's a big one that that it really is not common commonly known for, for most of our clients. So I, I think in, in summary here, first and foremost, if you get a no, remember it's it's a it's not a no necessarily forever. It could just be a no for now. But if you're getting a note from the bank, like just pack up your bag, walk over here, give us a call. If you're a real estate agent in the industry, this is the thing that will will absolutely kill steam as far as the emotion from a buyer. If you are a buyer, don't let it kill your steam because it, there still could be other options. And perhaps you just need to be advised of those options. Again, it might not be a today thing, but you just need to walk away with a clear plan to know, okay, these are the things that I got to do in order to make this happen. And I think that's the most important thing that I would take away from this. Any, any other thoughts from you guys' mind that you'd leave people with in that, in that uh, element? I think just, you got to try to catch these things earlier on. And, you know, if, if you don't think you need a mortgage, I guess I'm thinking more towards the, the credit side of things and the debt consolidation. You don't want to leave this until it's too late. Cause when it's too late, you're going to run into these issues. Your credit's going to be damaged. It's going to be beat up and you are going to struggle to get financing. It is what it is. We're living in a crazy expensive world right now. If you think you're kind of in hot water right now, it's probably a good time to reach out and at least start the conversation and figure out what your options are before you put yourself into a position where it's too late and might not be achievable. Yeah. Well said. That's awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks very much for listening on the episode here. And again, don't let anybody say no to you. Obviously, if you're getting the no, then at least understand what's next and what you need to do from there. If you want to find out more about working with the team, uh, reach out to us on Instagram at uh, instagram.com slash Thrive Mortgage Co. or the YVR Remo Show or find us at our website, thrivemortgage.ca. And we'll see you on the next one.